on Monday night, I, I was at the cinema. And before my film began, there was, of course, about 20 to 25 minutes of adverts. You know, they give you one time for the film, and you get in there, and then you spend that guzzling the popcorn or pick and mix or whatever you've managed to pick up on the way in. Well, uh, on this visit on Monday night, there was a trailer for the new Tom Cruise adventure. And I can't quite remember the whole name of what this film's got to be called, but it's part of a franchise. Um, it's Mission Impossible, colon, something or other, part one. And that tells us something, doesn't it? Even if I sit through two hours of um, high-packed, unbelievable action, no matter how daring the character of Ethan Hunt is, this is only part one, right? So it, it sort of says that the story is going to be incomplete. We're not... We're going to get to the end of a film. They'll be in titles. But the story won't have finished being told. There needs to be a part two. I assume that they are making a part two. That would leave us all a bit, ooh, if they didn't, wouldn't it? But um, there'll be a part two. Matthew ends his gospel with our reading that we have today that Graham brought us. Jesus has died. He has risen. The disciples number 11. And they have to go and make new disciples. We've got part one complete but there has to be a part two. Part one of the mission of Jesus is completing with a cliffhanger, and it opens the door to a sequel. Right? Where in part two, there's obviously got to be a greater emphasis on the eleven, who will become known as apostles as the go. And of course it's a story that Matthew doesn't write. He doesn't write it. After three years of Jesus bringing the teaching and blessing with signs of the kingdom, mighty miracles bring us to a mountain moment. The Great Commission. In Matthew, the, the, the mountains and hillsides are more than a geographical feature. It's more than Jesus having a platform to stand on so that other folk can see him. It's more than a podium. They serve a spiritual purpose too. They remind us, the readers of the gospel, of Sinai and, and Moses' burning bush and the handing down of the Ten Commandments. 
They remind us of the different altars on Carmel, with the uselessness of Baal and the power of the Lord. In the gospel, mounts are the place of the sermon where we get the Beatitudes. The place of Elijah and Moses and transfiguration. (coughs) Excuse me. They are the place that Jesus retreats to, to be with the Father. As well as this episode, the Great Commission. The place of the mountain is the place of encounter with God's way and God's word, with his law and how he wants us to live. Delivering this ending on a mountain is Matthew saying that this is not just the instruction of the Son, but the message of the Heavenly Father too. It is God's message being given. And that importance is emphasized in what the resurrected Jesus says. He says that he has all authority in heaven and on earth. Previously, this would have been thought of as just the Lord in heaven having that power, the Father having that power. But Jesus says that he has that power. All power in creation and outside of the physical and the spiritual realm too. He is declaring all authority, all power, his omnipotence. The omnipotence of God. In his ministry, we saw that power over nature, didn't we? Healing the sick is power over nature. It cannot be shown scientifically. It just is beyond understanding, far beyond reason. And yet healing occurs. The lepers are cleansed, the blind see, the lame walk, and even the dead. A 12-year-old girl and Lazarus walk again. Storms are stilled by a single command. He has all authority on earth over the physical world, but he also has power over spiritual matters. In ministry, he casts out legion and again a demon from the daughter of a Canaanite woman. But at the cross, the ultimate victory over the tempter has been won. Satan is vanquished meaning our sins can be fully forgiven. And although we in ourselves are unworthy, we are made holy, and the Father welcomes us to be his children and to take a seat at the heavenly banquet. A spiritual change has been made by the Son. 
as Jesus continues to speak in this passage, says that we are to bring baptism in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It reflects the connectedness as one of God's personhood. Three persons, but yet they cannot be separated. They are one God. And then there's a third dynamic too. That Jesus says he will be with his disciples always. That is, he's going to be omnipresent. He will be there in all time and all space, whenever and wherever we are. Whether disciples are gathered together, as we are gathered together this morning, or whether we are scattered in our homes, whether we're this side of the earth or the other side of the earth, wherever we are on the planet, he will be there in all time and space. This is not a directly physical presence of Jesus as humans had experienced for 30 years or so in the first century. But Jesus is with us through his Holy Spirit's presence with us, which is not simply standing next to us, alongside us, but dwells within, comes within us, guiding, encouraging, equipping us in our daily life as disciples, enabling us to be the people that God wants us to be, the people who are learning on the job of growing the kingdom just as the first century disciples did. That's who we are people learning and growing and discovering and coming to new understandings. Because that is how God made us and reveals his way to us. And that causes us to think of the command that Jesus has just given his disciples, doesn't it? The command, or rather two commands, go and make. Both of these are active words. They, they involve doing something. We don't go if we're just sat still. You know, at the start of a race, if somebody was to say, three, two, one, go, and you just stayed there, it wouldn't work. We can't stay stationary. We don't show the fullness of God's love to our neighbor if we only stay among other disciples. We have to go. And make requires, again, action. Not simply being there, but doing something. Perhaps with words, sometimes with activity, most often putting those things together. But always revealing something of what it is to try and follow in the way of Jesus. It's not something that we can bow out of. The disciples 
or commanded not to make converts, but disciples. And they have to keep going at that. And we, the disciples, need to keep going at that too. We need to keep being active in trying to discover and understand and live out the way of Jesus. Teaching the new disciples to do everything they themselves had been commanded to do. So part of being a disciple is to continue going, to continue making and it's not the sole responsibility of those of us in leadership, be we minister or elders or junior church leaders through United or at Messy Church or home group leaders or so on. Not each and every one of us gets that command to go and to make. Now, that might not seem a very great but a very scary commission. You know, sometimes it, you know, it's great in the size of how big it is. And that means it's a challenge. We might feel a bit frightened by it. We might feel it is a commission impossible to go everywhere and to do this, and, and we might not feel we have that person. But we're not doing this in our own strength. But with that, of the omnipotent, omnipresent God, the God that is all-powerful and ever with us, who says in the gospel that even with tiny amount of faith, we can move mountains. Now, we might feel too weak to do that. We might feel too weak. We might have doubts. But even here, the gospel writer points out that even among the 11, the 12, less Judas, not the 120, not the 500 that Paul tells the church in Corinth about who had seen Jesus by this stage, On the mountain, the 11 closest friends of Jesus who journeyed with him for three years, among them, some doubted what was going on. Some were a bit nervous about it, a bit unsure. Did they really understand the risen Jesus? They've come a long way but suddenly still find themselves feeling a little distant. That might be you too. If that is, you're not alone. You're like those among the 11. But take a moment and think about what Jesus is saying now. For you are loved by the one with all authority. You might doubt that you can do this, but he has confidence in you. He trusts you. He believes that you can do great things that will see the kingdom grow. That's part of the Great Commission. 
We are a bunch of frail humans, but God calls us to be His. And He knows that we can do His work. For the disciples, that the gospel saw them come to faith and recognize that they were to make more disciples proclaiming Jesus as Lord. But although this gospel leaves us with a mountain cliffhanger, Matthew isn't writing that second part. We know by our own experience what happens. Because we would not be here today if folk had not heard of that great commission and shared the story. If people had not gone and made disciples 2,000 years ago and 1,000 years ago and 100 years ago and 50 years ago and 10 years ago and maybe even just two or three years ago and shared something of that story with us, then we wouldn't know the story today. Our presence today bringing worship, offering prayers, reading the Word and trying to understand its application reveals that the story has continued, that there is a second part, but we have a part to play in that second part of the mission. May we, whoever we are, choose to accept our place in the mission. May we awaken to all that we can do to share the love of God. For there are great possibilities that are made possible by Him above. Amen.